0: Welcome back to Irish On Tap, presented to you by Manscaped and brought to you by the OnTap Sportsnet. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawn Mower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin-safe technology so you don't nick, cut, or scrape those sensitive areas. Want to keep your boys fresh all day? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and ball Deodorant so you're fresh all day long. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping on all your manscaping needs. Welcome back to Irish on Tap. We have a special bonus interview episode courtesy of Irish on Tap contributor Chris White, one of the original hosts of this show. So before we get into the interview for today's episode, let me check in with Chris. We got Ethan on the phone as well, and then we have a very special guest for our listeners. But Chris, it's been a long time since we've had you on the mic. How you doing today, brother?
1: Good, man. How's it going with all you guys?
0: Hey, Notre Dame's 9-0. As the Barsoo Irish people have been saying, they got the t-shirt out. It feels like 88. I know none of us were alive at that time, except for one person on the other line. Well, let me check in with Ethan, and I will get to that very special guest here on the other line. Hey, I just
2: asked for that hoodie for Christmas, man. That is, hands down, one of the best hoodies I've ever seen from, uh, from anything. So yeah, introduce our guests here, because they deserve all the credit for that hoodie.
0: So today, we are joined by homegrown talent, one of Chicago's own, but- A Notre Dame fighting Irish fan through and through one of the founding members of Barstool Chicago we'd like to welcome to the show Barstool chief how are you today chief I mean
3: you said it the Irish are undefeated how could it be any better than that and the Bears haven't even played yet so we're in this window before the sadness sets in we're in the the happy zone the Bears won't play
0: until 720 so it's a we're feeling all good right now no pain. Yeah, no pain right now. We don't have to, you know, turn the turn the TV on to see the Bears getting smoked at noon. I think the Bears are going to win today. I know Carl and you guys over there are big Bears guys as well. I'm sure Eddie's got the chair out for tonight. But we wanted to ask you before we get started with everything, so we know, you know, you're from the Chicagoland area. How did you become a Notre Dame fan?
3: You know, it's it's probably the classic story for most people my age. Uh, when I was a little kid. It really goes back to my dad too. My dad, you know, he didn't play at Notre Dame or even go to Notre Dame. He's a D3 football guy, but he grew up in um, on the East Coast, and he said that he would they would replay the Notre Dame game on Sunday morning. So he would watch the Notre Dame game on his local TV at 7 a.m. and um, and then go to Mass at like 11. So as like a Catholic kid, so like and, and I, I got a little bit of that too. I'm Irish. I'm Catholic. Rudy came out when I was, like, seven. And then the first, like, real college football memory I have is that Notre Dame versus Florida State game of the century. We had these neighbors who they had, like, five people. They're all pilots. They all went to Florida State. So it was, like, this big thing. And I had just kind of, and I had just been, like, starting into college football. I loved the gold helmets. It's not really some, like, deep, deep story. It was just, like, I watched that game. I watched Rudy. I was impressionable. And young, and I had it coming from my dad too, and uh, and it just stuck. So ever since I was, you know, probably 1993, six seven years old, uh, I've been I've been loving Notre Dame.
0: I was gonna say Rudy was the one that got me as well. So I, I am in the same boat of Rudy turned me into an ND fan.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's hard not to like they, they really pump up the mystique at Notre Dame and how special it is, and the, you know all the dramatic. You know, visuals walking around campus that, you know, that gold helmet shining in the sun, all that kind of stuff. And it, you really it resonated with me. And I, you know, I love uh, like tradition, you know, in all walks of life. And so, I, you know, I always love the Alabama uniforms the Penn State uniforms. But there's just something unique and special about that uh, that golden blue. And, uh, you know, 1993 was probably the peak of my Notre Dame fandom as, as far as team success goes. They, they went 11 and 1 that year. And it's been it's been tough sledding. You know, Bob Davy came in soon after that. And then right now, but Brian Kelly's got it cooking. So it's it, This is this is the most fun I've ever had being in Notre Dame fan. It's been usually nothing but pain.
2: Yeah, I know one uh, one guy that particular works at the Barstool company kind of snuck into uh, that Clemson game a few weeks ago. Why, where were you at with this concept? I feel like this was something that you should have came up with. Obviously, Roan's uh, a creative guy. But. Man, if we all knew it was that easy to get into that
3: football game, where were we? Why? why? Come on. It was it, honestly, I was, I, I've become friendly or friends with uh, Tommy Rees over the years, the offensive coordinator. So we talked about going, and uh, my first Notre Dame game, I was like 12 years old. I went with my dad, and he had just had he had he had, had surgery, and I was going to take him to this game, and we we're going to go on the sidelines, but he had had a knee replacement surgery. So I, so he couldn't go to this Clemson game, but I was gonna go and bring my dad, and then I felt guilty, and and so he just didn't make it happen. But yeah, I, I wish I was there. I ended up going to Nashville instead with some friends, so it was kind of a conflict, anyways. But uh, but yeah, the plan was to go, and it just, it just for a variety of reasons, just didn't work out.
2: I'll trade you the uh, the DeKalb, Illinois setup for that Nashville setup for that Clemson game. Either way, wild ending, but. To be in Nashville, such a party scene like that, too. I mean, I can, I, I, there were videos of people crying. I was on the floor crying after that game. What's the instant reaction for you in SEC country? Like, I can't imagine.
3: Yeah, there was anyway. you know there the Titans were playing the Bears, so there's a lot of Bears Notre Dame fan crossover. So there was a lot of Notre Dame people, at least at the bar that I was at. It was actually like there were some Clemson people there too, but it was it was a great atmosphere. Uh, no tears. I mean, I, I've seen Notre Dame win some big games before. That was probably the biggest. You know, the Oklahoma game in 2012 kind of sticks out. Uh, they've had they've had a few, but I, I'm kind of of the opinion like it, it, that game while great, it wasn't like the biggest upset ever. And the job's not done. Like I think this team is, you know, has national championship aspirations, and and you know Alabama beat the piss. Are we swearing on this show or what?
0: Oh, you can say yeah, you can okay. say whatever you like. They, you know,
3: they beat the fuck out of uh, Auburn yesterday, and um, and I think I think it's pretty clear at this point that Notre Dame and Alabama are the top two teams. And I remember in 2012 being like that team felt like a team of destiny. And that's what I latched onto going into that going into that game in 2012 against Alabama because there was no like concrete reasons to think Notre Dame had a chance. You had to like just turn your faith to, to the Lord and be like, he's the Lord's gonna come through for Notre Dame. Nick Saban is the devil, and he won that day. And uh, but now it's like, hey, like Notre Dame, they got big boys in the trenches. They got NFL guys at every level of that defense. They got quarterback who can make plays they have a Heisman caliber running back they have and they got some big boys uh, as tight ends and they got you know McKinley has turned into a playmaker at receiver they've got enough that they can really just hang with anybody so you I don't know what the spread would be in that game but I think Notre Dame would be highly competitive uh, against Alabama they've really closed that gap and, and I think that they could win outright neutral field Rose Bowl wherever that game's going to be um, and I, I feel good I feel good about Notre Dame in the ACC championship to come, and then hopefully the national championship.
1: What do you have to say about um, everybody talking shit about not beating uh, actual Clemson, beating backup Clemson?
3: All right, I'm so tired of hearing about that because if you look at the numbers from uh, I can't pronounce his name, DJ Agunguga, that
0: you, we've been calling him Ukulele. All
3: right, <laughs> I say Agunguga. I don't know why, but <laughs> it sounds funny to me. So DJ Agunguga and DJ's easy. 440 yards. What the fuck more was Trevor Lawrence do in that game? (laughs) Was he going to throw for 445, 450? (laughs) That's going to make all the difference? No. Trevor Lawrence, he might throw for 400, 440. He might do the same thing. He's not going to do markedly better. Notre Dame made a decision that they were going to take away Travis NTN. and and make Clemson throw it. And Clemson was able to throw it. They got the great playmakers on the outside. They always have. They shut down Clemson's running game. And they scored enough to make it happen. And, and, you know, a a couple mistakes by, you know, one in particular by Ian Book kind of made that – let Clemson be in that game uh, a little bit longer than maybe they should have. But I thought Notre Dame really controlled the line of scrimmage. They played big boy football. And, you know, I tweeted out the the picture – uh, from the North Carolina game too, it's just like their heavy goal line set, and I was like, I'm aroused. Like this is the type <laughs> of football I want to play. Like, I don't, I don't want to play spread them out, Texas Tech, Big 12 football. I want to play. Let's be mean. Let's grind these guys in the ground. Let's play defense, and and that's ultimately what always wins in football. Like that's like Alabama can sling it now. You know, they're they're a team that wins up front and Notre Dame is a team that wins up front, too. And same thing with Ohio State. Like these are the teams that put NFL quality guys, um, you know, along the offensive and defensive lines. And Notre Dame has closed that gap. They got great linebackers. They got Kyle Hamilton. You know, he'll be probably a top 15 pick next year when he comes out after his junior year. So Notre Dame's got it all. And I, I think this is this is not the same thing that we've seen where everyone's like, oh, Notre Dame's a fraud. Notre Dame's a fraud. They're not. They can play with anybody, including Clemson, including Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, that'll be a coin flip game in the ACC championship, but they're right there with Clemson. I'm not afraid of Trevor Lawrence.
0: So I got to ask you, as someone who has a couple years on us and a couple more quarterbacks that you've seen at Notre Dame, we said yesterday on the recap, you know, when Ian Book made his entrance into the Miami game and madness ensued, we got absolutely destroyed. If you would have told me that night that Ian Book was going to play in two college football playoffs and have us in the running for a national title twice, I would have called you crazy. So through where you're at on Ian book, because we're huge Ian book guys at this point, we, you know, we've been all the way behind him as far as supporting him and making sure, you know, I mean, he's the quarterback at Notre Dame, obviously you have higher expectations, but he's going to finish as the all time winningest quarterback at Notre Dame. And, and like you said, I mean, this is arguably the best Notre Dame team that we've seen in all of our lifetimes, and they're right there in the running for a national title.
3: Yeah, I would say, you know, Ian Book is a, I said it during the North Carolina game, he's wildly entertaining and effective while protecting the ball. He's he's had multiple streaks of throwing it, you know, 200-plus times without an interception. Like, that's really incredible at the college football level. I thought he regressed a little bit last year. Uh, which was surprising because they had Cole Komet, they had Chase Claypool, they had some – they had more weapons for him to throw to, and yet his game somehow took a step back, I thought, from what they did in 2018. This year he's, he's definitely gone forward. He's one of the leaders of that team. He's never going to be – but, again, then maybe in 2019 it goes back to the running game wasn't as good, and uh, they didn't have a dynamic running back. But he's a perfect college quarterback, complimentary piece, very good. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves is he going to be a first round pick or even a fifth round pick? Probably not, but he's, he's a really good college quarterback. And I enjoy watching him play. And you, and like the thing at the college level, when you have a running game and a defense like that, you just need a guy to make good decisions and, um, and you need a guy that you can trust. I trust Ian book. And I think it's pretty clear that Tommy Reese does too. And he's getting better and better every week. I think he struggled you know, a little bit out of the gate, but, as McKinley has emerged and and Michael Mayer has emerged as a, uh, as a receiving threat, they have enough talent on the outside to support them and they play action people to death and hit a few over the top, stretch the defense and it's, and it's a way they go. And he's not afraid to pull it down and run. He's not like Michael Vick out there, but he's extending plays. He's picking up key third down, you know, third and six. It's like, well, it's Ian book time. Like this is perfect for him. So there, he's, he's become a very good quarterback where he ranks. I know winning as quarterback, like you said, uh, when he's all said and done, that's quite the accomplishment, given all the, the names that come through there. Joe and Joe Montana, et cetera. He's not the best quarterback of our lifetimes, uh, certainly, but he's he's will go down as one of my favorite. We'll say that.
2: I posed this question yesterday on the recap, too, because obviously the NCAA, the NCAA has that you know, eligibility rule this year where guys can come back. Do you think or or do you think it's the right decision for Ian Book to come back and maybe improve that draft stock? Because we've said the same thing you've said. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Justin Fields. He's not any of those top three, top five quarterbacks on the list of uh, draft prospects this year. Do you think another year coming back, say they don't make it to the national championship, say they lose in the playoffs or something like that? Does he come back next year realistically and even more improve his draft stock and build this team because it is such a young receiving core mm-hmm. imagine him another full season
3: with this group well i mean they don't really have an heir apparent a quarterback yet they have the the kid coming in from california i'm blanking on his name right now uh tyler uh, tyler, tyler. Uh, yeah but he's gonna be a true freshman so a year in the program if ian book wants to stay another year can't would be great for notre dame i don't think it really improves his draft stock much i think he is what he is like you look at him physically he's He's just not. He's just not there. He's kind of. He reminds me a little bit of um, Chase Daniel. Um, remember him at like I don't know if you guys remember him at Missouri, but he ended up being a, a Heisman Trophy finalist when he was at Missouri because he was smart, didn't have the biggest arm, but he could he could you know make the right reads, make the right throws, scramble enough. And you know Chase Daniels had a nice career in the NFL as a backup, and he's probably made like. Close to $25 million all said and done, maybe more. I'm so
0: glad you can say it right, too, because as a Bears fan, we hear Chase Daniels every week, and it's so infuriating. Yeah, Chase Daniel singular. But, yeah, so I think he could – so is he going to, like, improve his draft stock?
3: I mean, maybe he gets drafted. Like, I don't, I don't even know if it's a lock that he gets drafted because he's just – like, he just doesn't have the big arm. But if you're drafting someone with the intent of him being just part of your program and, and, and a backup, he can definitely do that, and that's like you know, why, that's the reason a lot of guys get drafted in the late round. Not people typically aren't looking for a Tom Brady. You know, that's like a once in a lifetime thing. But you might be able to get a Chase Daniel in the fifth, sixth round. Is that worth it to Ian Book to wait another year to go from six to four
1: in the draft?
3: Maybe I don't know, but it'd
1: be good for Notre Dame. How do you feel about Notre Dame joining a conference after this successful year?
3: I'm not in favor of it. I want to go back to playing a national schedule. I think being in a conference long-term hurts their recruiting base. They, they really benefit from being able to play at least one game in California every year, playing either Stanford or USC. And I, that was something that I said after the North Carolina game, where it's like the only thing missing from this regular season is the opportunity to put 50 points on Southern Cal. Like that, like that always feels good. And like Southern Cal fucking stinks now. And I would love it if Notre Dame could just beat the piss out of them, uh, you know, to put a little cherry on top of the season. So I don't like, that's the greatest intersectional rivalry in sports. I don't want to lose that by having, you know, a game against Louisville every year, like pass. So I think the, I think this hybrid setup where they play five ACC games is pretty good. And then you still get to mix in, you know, Michigan, Michigan state, and then you have your, and Wisconsin they were supposed to play Wisconsin this year at Lambeau like that's good for Notre Dame and that's unique to Notre Dame and becoming a regional team in a conference I think is not good so five ACC games is great your other seven games seven games can go to your traditional rivals Navy Stanford USC Michigan Big Ten Slate whoever Mix in Northwestern I think that's pretty I think that's the that's the best of both worlds and they're lucky to be able to do that uh this year you know they needed to do something drastic to save college football. If they save college football, they don't get enough credit for that. And um, and then also save, you know, and save themselves. So I think it was good. It was a nice little one-year thing. I love the idea of joining a conference for one year, winning the conference championship, and then going back to being independent, being like, that shit was easy. And, uh, and then, you know, carry on as Notre Dame should.
0: And everyone needs to get rid of that that mindset that they play like a bad non-conference schedule every year. Their strength of record is always towards the top. There's two more games left on the schedule. It's Syracuse and Wake Forest. These are teams that, like you said, with the five ACC games, we play not annually, but you know at least every other year, or every you know once every three years. I saw, I believe, some Syracuse Twitter fans or some Syrac- some people from Syracuse Twitter uh, talking shit to you. I think it was last week. Did you see the end of the Syracuse game yesterday, where their quarterback spiked it on a fourth down and goal to lose the game?
3: I did not. I so
0: did
3: not. I fell asleep. I missed yeah. that. That is absurd. But like that's the thing. Like I don't Syracuse a couple years ago. I remember they played that game in Yankee Stadium and people were talking. Like I remember Hubbs from Barstool New York. He's a Syracuse alum. He was talking shit like, oh, here comes Syracuse, Dino Babers, and I like Dino Babers as a coach, Bowling Green guy. But this is one of those things where it's just like, hey, and I and I've been there as a Notre Dame fan when Notre Dame would have like these really good years, and it's like, oh, we got USC, like the Reggie Bush USC teams, and aside from the one game, uh, the Bush push, it was like you knew what was going to happen. Like there's a talent gap. The talent gap between Notre Dame and Syracuse is absurd. There's no circumstance at which Syracuse can win that game. Syracuse people should just pipe down. It's not going to happen. Worry about finishing better than 500. I don't even know what their record is. They're irrelevant. They've been irrelevant since Donovan McNabb was there. They stink. Just shut up. Take your beating and, you know, try to be better next year. But I don't want to hear from Syracuse people ever again. I have more respect for Wake Forest and what they're building than I do for Syracuse. So Syracuse can fuck off. Uh, but yeah, these, these should be like some, uh, you know, just stay healthy, stay COVID free, have some style points, have some fun, and uh, get ready for Clemson round two.
0: So Syracuse on is it. one and nine.
3: There you go. And I I like Dino Babers. I want to go on the record with that. I can coach up some offense. This is a weird year. Let's not judge Syracuse and Dino that harshly. But they're not. They don't want this smoke. Not this year. So just shut up. My first I'm Notre Dame
1: game was Syracuse in a blizzard, and oh. I think they lost by a field goal.
3: Yeah, I remember that.
1: Uh, so I have a personal uh, vendetta with Syracuse. I do like Babers, though. I'm on that train with you.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I like Hot Dino. Th- they're going to sling it. They'll, they'll be, eventually, Syracuse will get to a place where they're going to win eight games a year with Dino, and that they should be very happy with that. Because they're Syracuse. Hey. You're Syracuse. You're
2: a basketball school. Shut up. Just keep that talking orange off the sideline. Like you ever play that college football game where you're just playing as the Syracuse Orange mascots? Like that was my favorite all-time favorite mascot, I think, just the, the fat orange walking around. But being part of, you know, such a, a national media company, like with different people coming in all over the country, things like that, you work next to a guy who's arguably the biggest Northwestern fan known to man. Like, how have you been dealing with this shit? Like, Notre Dame sucks. Notre Dame's going to choke at the end. Like, how how do we deal with that as Notre Dame fans? Because you know it's going to happen. You know if we win this national championship, you know people are going to be, oh, COVID year, asterisk this, asterisk that. You know, like, how do we take that shit from these people every week?
3: You tell them to shove it up their ass. They should get two national championships for winning it this year because they saved college football. The ACC was going to fold just like the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And if the ACC went down, it was going to be dominoes. the SEC just going to play by themselves? No. Was the Big 12 just going to play by themselves? No. It was Notre Dame was like, hey – Fuck you! We're not—we're playing football this year, and we have the power to save college football. That's worth a national championship on its own. They play—they're like, oh, Notre Dame never plays in a conference. Join a conference. Join a conference. Fine, we'll join a conference one year. Win that conference. Win the national championship. They should—they just get to do everything this year. Notre Dame, like, if people try to put an asterisk next to this year, you're crazy because they had COVID concerns. They had all—they had all the same things everybody else had. And they just did it better than everyone. So Notre Dame deserves everything they're getting this year. I don't know if they're winning the national championship. Obviously, Clemson's going to have something to say about that. Alabama will. Uh, I think that's maybe Ohio State. That's about it. Like, those are the teams. And then, you know, we'll see. Like, we'll see. But, like, you can't put an asterisk on this year. If a Pac-12 team somehow got in the playoff and won it, then you can put an asterisk after them. Congratulations, you played six games. Like, what are we talking about? But Notre Dame's playing a full slate. They played in the conference, which everybody's been crying about since I was born, and uh, and they they're they're doing it, they're killing it. So you can't put an asterisk on to them. Dealing with other people like White Sox, Dave, like please, like he was talking so Oh, I want Notre Dame, I want Notre Dame. Like no, you don't. I promise. You couldn't you. even handle Michigan State. He couldn't handle Michigan State. It was a classic. <laughs> I tried to tell him, that. he wouldn't listen. And then you know he even in the moment, like in Red Line, where he's like, I want Notre Dame. You could just hear me like, oh David, like you you just. You don't want it. I promise. (laughs) We've all been there where we're like emotionally invested and blinded either by a girl or by, you know, a team that we just love. And we just we ignore all all the red flags. We just ignore it. And that's what Dave was doing. It's like they're a really good team. They're a nice team. They got a good defense. They got a quarterback who's, you know, not the worst quarterback I've ever seen. They're not Notre Dame. They're not. They're never going to beat Notre Dame. It's like. It's like I was saying before, like when Notre Dame used to play those those awesome USC teams, where it's like you would need a miracle. You just shut up. Like you beating Wisconsin is not the same as beating Notre Dame. Notre Dame is much better than Wisconsin too. So again, I'm not concerned with White Sox Dave or anybody else. Like this has been a great year. They're going to continue to beat the shit out of everyone and and do it in a way that just makes you feel good, just running the ball down your throat which maybe that's just me. Maybe I love like guys like Tommy Tremble, just throwing people out of the club. Like that's what I want to see. And they're doing it. Like it's big boy. It's old school. It's smash
0: mouth. I love every second of it. Yeah. On the topic of Northwestern, like we said, before we started recording, uh, my brother's a huge fan of Northwestern. uh, Now I wouldn't say pretty close with White Sox Dave, but I'd say they're at least acquaintances or friends. I got to his house late. I had a bunch of stuff going. We, we cover NIU as well and we're credentialed, so we had to go watch the game, be a part of the press conference and stuff. By the time I got to his house, there was a minute left in the game. I left probably five minutes after the game, and I was asked to leave because the way we look at it, Ethan, you brought up the COVID year, how people are going to look at it as an asterisk. This was probably Northwestern's best shot to go into the Big time Championship undefeated, and like Chief has said you know, with these old Notre Dame games, Hopefully get a prayer and maybe beat Ohio State. Probably wouldn't have happened if they played 100 times, maybe once it would have. But, uh, yeah, it's tough to see teams go down like that. I got to ask you, though, outside of Dave, because that was going to be my question, you know, who gives you the most shit about being a Notre Dame fan? Clearly it's White Sox, Dave. But outside of Dave, maybe someone at HQ, maybe someone else in the office, who gives you, you know, the most shit about Notre Dame?
3: Hmm. I mean, Dave's at the top of the list. Carl hates Notre Dame. But he doesn't really give me too much shit about it, I guess. You know, it's it's you know, the internet's a big place, and people know that I'm a Notre Dame guy, and uh, so yeah, like it's. I remember, you know, I write that the Notre Dame's going undefeated blog every year, and I remember they, you know, opened up the season with Texas, and they lost that shootout game to Texas. I think they went. That might have been the 2016 or 17 year where they went four and eight.
0: Yeah, Sean Crawford was still on the team that year. He had, like, a blocked punt that year, yeah. Six years
3: of eligibility, you might go for seven. Yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. Is he going to be a doctor when
3: he's done? Who goes to college for seven years? Um, yeah. So, anyway, so, like, I remember, like, K. Marco, like, blogging. It. And it was like, oh, this is my favorite blog every year as soon as Notre Dame loses. So, and that, that year it happened in week one. So, I know when Notre – like, I set myself up by saying they're going undefeated every year. For slings and arrows to come from all corners of the internet, sometimes uh, internally at Barstool, sometimes externally, and uh, it's just one of those things. And I I don't mind it. I like that's part of being a Notre Dame fan too, is that you know that people have an opinion about Notre Dame. And if you're like a public, I get like I guess I'm a public figure. It's a weird thing to say, but people are going to be in my mentions about Notre Dame should they lose. Like that's just it's just what you sign up for. So the the answer to the question is the entire internet. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, with Notre Dame, with Notre Dame, it's such a—you're uh, either their fan or you absolutely hate them. Nobody like doesn't care about them.
3: Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. that's the way it is, and that especially—I feel like that's especially true in Chicago because you have all the Catholic League kids who are—you know—they like a ton of kids go to Notre Dame, and then the kids that don't hate the kids that went to Notre Dame. So, Like I knew Tommy uh, McLaren; he was a douchebag. He went to Notre Dame. He wears his class. Like, there's a lot of reasons to hate Notre Dame, and I appreciate that. But as far as a football program, it's hard to hate this team, too. Like, if you can't appreciate this team, smash mouth, all of that, then, like, I don't want to know
1: you. So do you, have, um, do you have a number two team? Or do you have, like, a team per, like, conference? Like, one Big Ten team, one SEC team? Well, like,
3: I I dated a girl, Dave always, like, White Sox Dave always gives me shit about this, but, so, I did a blog about Dana Holgerson and his hair, like, six years ago, five years, something like that, a long time ago, and, like, making fun of Dana Holgerson, and Holgerson loved it, so he sent me, like, a giant box of merch, Uh, like, I'm talking like a moving box work. It was like, this is like my entire wardrobe now was West Virginia stuff. So I, I, you know, I can be bought. So when Dana Holgerson was at West Virginia, I would casually root for them. Um, I dated a girl from uh, Franklin, Tennessee for a long time, uh, my early twenties. So I was down in Tennessee all the time. Like we we're like once a one weekend a month, we were down there and I started to, you know, kind of root for the Vols. Like I like the Vols, you know, if they lose, I don't care, but it's nice if they win. But if they ever played against Notre Dame, like I'm rooting for Notre Dame, but if I, you know, like they have my attention, so to speak, but I don't really, I don't really care. You know, it's just like, oh, I'll root for them if they win. And, you know, I like that they win a lot like they are college football to me, like that type of environment. I've been to Neyland Stadium twice, you know, 110,000 people singing Rocky Top. It's impossible not to get swept, swept up in that. It's an awesome time. The tailgate seems incredible, but yeah, I don't feel about them the way I feel about Notre Dame. It's just not. It's just not the same thing. But I got a place in my heart for them. It's just you know. But no, I don't have like backup teams or a team in every conference, so to speak. I'm I am
1: not Yeah. I'm a well, like I like PJ Fleck a lot, but I really don't care if Minnesota
0: loses every week. Niu grad baby. Just, say row the boat. Yeah, row the boat. The boat definitely has. They need some flex seal. They need a little help from Billy Mays because the boat's been sinking this year. And I saw Rashad Bateman actually just opted out as well. So that's that's tough for them. But yeah, Ethan and I have been huge Coastal Carolina fans this year. Really like their field, their colors. It's been fun to watch them. And then obviously we both – I'm a grad student. He's a undergrad student at NIU, and then we cover the team. We actually uh, finagled our way into credentials over here. So it's, uh, it's fun to cover them, but they are currently 0-4 on the exact opposite end of the spectrum of Notre Dame right now.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's actually ironic about the, the Minnesota piece too because Brian Kelly – used to say that Minnesota was his dream job that it had he saw that program as this untapped potential and he that's where he was like and he was bouncing around from you know Western Michigan or where was he central Michigan Cincinnati like he he thought
0: then, yeah he was at Western Michigan right before uh, Minnesota right and then and he you, brought the quarterback with him too, Tanner Morgan. No, no no, that's Fleck. I'm talking about Brian. Oh. Ryan Kelly. Oh, Ryan Kelly, yeah,
3: yeah. Ryan Kelly, would started at Grand Valley State, and then you know he was at Cincinnati. He would say, you know, like he he gave an interview one time being like, that's I want to be at the coach. I want to be the coach of Minnesota. Like that was his goal. And then he was like too good for that, and um, and uh, it, you know went to, got the Notre Dame job. It's like oh peace. Like I don't need to be at Minnesota. I'm going to the number one program in the country, the number one job in the country, and he's done a great job. But, like, that, I agree. Like, Fleck, I think he will eventually have success there. But, uh, yeah, this year has been, you know, and that happens. You know, you're building a program. He still doesn't have all his kids. Um, They lost a little bit uh, to graduation last year. They'll be back. On the
2: topic of Brian Kelly, thoughts on him? I mean, he's arguably, you know, solidifying his name as one of the best coaches in Notre Dame football history. But, obviously, a rocky start
3: to his career. I don't Uh, know. you you have if you want to be in that discussion, you have to win a national championship. He's not he's not I, top five right now.
2: I would agree. I think he's working his way up there. I think he's on his path to it. I should have I should have made that more clear. I think he's clearing his path to you know making his way up there. I really think that this is a national championship season. I'm not going to you know I'm not predicting anything. We can't predict anything, but I mean with the way that he's recruiting. The way that he's brought in talent. I mean, you talk about the quarterback position earlier. Look how talented that position is going to be at going forward. And just the depth this team has. Thoughts on on where he's taken this program over the course of the last couple of years.
3: Yeah, it's been incredible. It's been incredible. I, I think he's a great coach, too. I'm glad he's the coach. I would say that in addition to the recruiting, which has been great, he really develops guys. Um, and I think you've seen a shift. From you know they, they kind of seems like they reevaluated things after that four and eight year and the strength and conditioning got different. Uh, they had a couple years where they were good and seemed like you know they uh, you, you guys brought up the Miami game earlier from what was that 2017 or 18 where they just got their doors blown off. Or that looked you know, that was like the Quinton Nelson McGlinchey team that you thought that they were going to be in the playoff and, and didn't make it happen. Um, they just didn't have a they had Kaiser that year. I still say that if that team had Deshaun Kaiser instead of Wimbush. That team wins the national championship, um, but regardless, like they they kind of ran out of gas. They changed things, so like he's been able to evaluate. He's given up play calling duties. He's been more of a CEO head coach uh, recently, and it's paid off. And they they you know Alabama's you know they're the number one in recruiting seemingly every year. Notre Dame sits in that 10 to 15 range, but they're able to like make up the difference because they've done such a good job with uh, player development, and also they they've really. They have an identity now, too. Like they, Brian Kelly, if you watch him at Cincinnati, Notre Dame's offense and his offense there, it is unrecognizable. They were throwing it, they were spread it out, throw it all over the yard with all these different quarterbacks at Cincinnati. Notre Dame is, I mean, you have more resources at Notre Dame to get the big boys, so, but he's adjusted and and they've, You know, they have the they have like the jump ball type receivers. They seem like they always have a guy like that, whether it's Miles Boykin or Claypool or or now McKinley. They always have great tight ends. Uh, The running backs this year have been much better. But, you know, they have this identity of playing power football. And now the defense is kind of caught up to the offense in terms of that physicality. And it's great to see. But it's like Notre Dame has a brand and they and they have an identity as, as a football team, which is tough. You know and they, they have a certain way they want to play and Brian Kelly has recruited to that and you can and when you have that established like you can, you can sell a kid like McKinley and be like, look at what you know I'm just making up names here now because I know they overlap and it's like you can sit in the living room and be like, look at what Claypool did. you can be that for us And he's done a great job of selling that and then developing those guys and, and shoehorning them into these roles that it's almost like you don't worry about losing at Claypool because you know there's a guy behind him. That's also 6'4". That also runs a four five. That is good in the air. So they've been able to recruit guys that they're just – they're a program now. Like you have certain teams that – like Northwestern had a great team this year. They're not a program. Notre Dame's a program. They're going to be good as long as Kelly is there. They're going to be, you know, this top 10, top 5 team, I think, just about every year. On top of that, too, I mean, the
2: amount of tight ends that this university pumps out year in and year out. I mean, that are still in the league, too. Kyler Rudolph, Tyler Eifert. Cole Komet obviously really hasn't gotten a shot with the Bears yet but I still believe that he is going to be a breakout tight end when he does get his chance but and even then Michael Mayer is a freshman and I think that he is going on to be I would hate to say baby Gronk because I feel like everyone's comparing any tight end to, to Gronk now but I mean he's going to make a name for himself in the league when he gets there given he stays healthy these next 3 4 years.
3: Yeah, he's he's special. Like there's only there's only one way to say, it. like that kid's special. He blocks, he's good in the air, he runs good routes. They say he's a good kid, works hard. Like, he, he's everything you want. Seems smart. He looks so Notre Dame, like the chiseled jaw, the hair. Like, he's, he fits, like, the identity and the brand, like, perfectly. He's a guy that as he, like, gets better and Notre Dame stays on top, he might have, like, a Christian Leitner, like, Duke effect, you know, where people just fucking hate his guts because of everything he stands for and looks like. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to be like, that's my fucking guy. That's Michael Mayer. You're not going to stop him. And you can hate his guts all you want. He's our guy. And he's going to just, he's just going to bully you on every single play. There's nothing you can do about it. Suck my dick. Like, that's going to, (laughs)
0: like, I can't wait for that next step. All right. So on the topic of Meyer, uh, who are your, you know, I think you kind of tipped your hat on this. But who are your top, your, your three favorite guys on this year's roster and then three favorite all time?
3: Next year's roster, I don't know if I tip my hat on it yet because I don't think Mayor is in that uh, discussion, believe it or not. Uh, okay, fair. My number one guy is another tight end, slash, fullback, H-back. You know, he does that. I don't, Tommy Tremble. Like, I, like, it's rare that you, or I think maybe for me, but definitely for me that you focus in on a guy who's not necessarily touching the ball. Like, I I just like watching that guy play ball. And so pre-snap, I find Tommy Tremble just because I love watching him blow people up. So I – and it's like, you know Notre Dame's going to move the ball down the field. So I'm not too concerned about it. But I try to find – you know, pick up where Tommy Tremble is because he's going to put somebody on their ass or throw them over the bench. Like, the guy is just – he finishes his blocks. He's physical as hell. He's awesome to watch. He's my number one. I love, I love, I'll do a combo for number two. I love both backs, Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. When they were recruiting Chris Tyree, I was like, we'll see. Like this kid's probably going to need a few years. I know he was like, you know, uh, very highly recruited, but it's like, you know, 5'11", 180. If that, like how good can he be as a true freshman running back? That kid runs fucking hard. He finishes runs, he falls forward. He doesn't shy away from contact, even though he's smaller. He's a great – and then Kyron Williams is, you know, ahead of him on the depth chart. Very similar. Like, he's shifty. He's got the great vision. doesn't seem to ever really want to go out of bounds. Like, he just wants to, like – you know, I'm not saying he's Walter Payton, but he runs mean the way – like, if you watch old Walter Payton highlights, like, those guys run mean. Like, I love that. And then um, Kyle Hamilton, too, is just – he's – like, he got the targeting foul on Friday to be kicked out, but he's just a missile. And, like – I, I hate that he got did the targeting, whatever, but I love that he was there. I love that he read it and, like, flew in there and was like, I'm going to fucking blow this guy up, and he's just a playmaker. Like, he's another guy that's just fun to watch. So I love Kyle Hamilton, too. That would be my top three, three and a
0: half. And then for all time, I know you've got a couple of years on us. You've seen some better teams. I wouldn't say better teams necessarily because we've had a lot of pain in our lifetimes as Notre uh, Dame fans. Definitely not better. <laughs> but... uh. Who would you say, if you had to pick three all-time, who are, who are your favorite?
3: Well, people have been,
0: like, this has been a point
3: of discussion, I feel like, on the internet recently. When I was a little kid, my, like, favorite athlete was Jarius Jackson. So, he, I don't know if you guys even remember his name, but he probably played, I don't know, like, late 90s. Quarterback, war number seven, uh, big arm, could run around. Run people over like they still ran a, like some option offense back then. He played as a backup for the Broncos for a long time. So he, you know, and when I say long time, probably six years something like that. He was in the NFL. So he he was like a very good college quarterback and who was absolutely electric at the college level. So I love Jarius Jackson. The Broncos could use him this afternoon. <laughs> Call him up. <laughs> uh, so Jarius Jackson, uh, again another '90s guy, uh, Darnell Autry. Um or I'm sorry, Autry Denson, uh, Darnell Autry was a Northwestern guy, but Autry Denson, he was uh he was like my first this, I'll just go all 90s for you. So Autry Denson was a running back. Uh, I believe he is the Notre Dame running back coach now or was. Um so he's been involved in the program, loved him as a running back. And then um Derek Mays, he wore number 1, he was a wide receiver at Notre Dame. I remember and this is when I was like a little kid, like 8, 9, 10 years old. I remember being shocked that Derek Mays was not the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Like, what do you mean he's not? What do you mean? Like, he's the best wide receiver of all time. Like, how is he not the number one pick? Because you just don't know anything when you're a kid. But he was so sweet. And he played in the, in the league for a long time, too. Unfortunately, he went to the Packers. But those are probably my top three. And it's all, like, real like old school retro, like Bob Davy and a Tyrone or uh and a Lou Holtz time frame. So but those were those were my guys.
1: Where does uh where's your fandom truly lie? Are you uh are you all on board with Blackhawks or Notre Dame? You gotta pick one.
3: What what do you mean? Like what do you mean by that? Like electric chair. Like you can only yeah. pick one
1: fan. Like like one one's fan. gone one's gone forever.
3: That's tough. <laughs>
0: um
3: I'd probably keep the Blackhawks because, you know, that's – hockey's still at the end. Of, I love – like, those are my two favorite sports. Those are my two favorite teams within that sport. Like, they're, it's close, but I need more Blackhawks. Like, I need I need them to be back. I need them to win again.
0: And yeah, it's like, game now, game now, game. now, like, my
3: brain is, like, kind of clouded a little bit <laughs> just because I do this professionally um so I, I know what that would mean for me like i, I got more interaction in the two weeks in the fucking stupid bubble playoffs than like the rest of the year combined so if the blackhawks were to be good and make the playoffs and you know go on a little mini run or something next year like that's really good for me like the notre dame thing is great but i didn't go there so there is like that little element of it uh, where i'm not like a true domer um which i understand like you know, like, I would kind of defer to large with Notre Dame stuff in a lot of ways, because he's, you know, was in the movie Rudy when I was just watching it, like, he was literally an extra in Rudy, he's in two scenes in Rudy, and went to Notre Dame, graduated all of that, and where I'm just, you know, I've just been a fan since I was, like, six or seven years old, Uh, with the Hawks, it's, it's, that is, like, how I broke into Barstool, that's, that's where, like, i butter my bread so to speak so i'd have to pick the hawks but it's it's not like the easiest decision
0: on the topic of hawks and interaction i will say we do have parcel chief on the video i know we don't put the video out for everyone and i can confirm his head is not squished i don't even know what that means so everyone in the comments your your head in the video for whatever reason you would do your halftime and your intermission videos and they would say your head was like squished down
3: I don't, and it was, I don't know what what was happening, but it was something like it would just make me look like, uh, Arnold from, uh, that old Nickelodeon show where it's just like, I got a football shaped head and it was something was jacked up with the camera on Instagram where my head would just like, it would start off fine. it would click into being smushed, but some, there was some Instagram update where that's been addressed and fixed, but yeah, I had a squished head on all those intermission reports like
0: when you get it's like when you get stepped on in mario but i will say one more blackhawks topic uh hats off to you for the stan bowman interview i know uh you didn't expect him to be in office for it and i I listened to that one afterwards i'm not the biggest hockey guy but i do like the blackhawks as well and i've heard some of the stand takes prior and you know i've seen the t-shirts and stuff so that was definitely a fun uh listen for me you know not being the strongest hockey fan but being able to kind of Take a look from a GM's perspective on how to build the team from, you know, where they're at now. Yeah,
3: I appreciate that. You know, it was it's not easy to uh, sit across from a guy where you've been like, I think you stink at your job and talk to him about it for an hour and, and then tell him to his face because I couldn't, you know, be all nicey nice when I've been Johnny Toughnuts on the Internet. So I wanted to have like a back and forth where I told him what I really thought and I thought it went well and I thought he came off um, – I thought he came off more likable than I would have guessed. Maybe that's just simply a product of him coming into the office and sitting there and and putting up with me. I don't feel any better about the direction of the team under him, but I thought he did it. I I was impressed that he was even willing to come in and do that. So that was good. And a little tease we might be having uh, running it back with Jeremy Colleton in a couple weeks. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But he's he's supposedly going to be – A similar sit down, I would call it.
2: On the topic of tough cookies, the uh, your boss, he's a big Michigan guy. It's kind of a rough year for Michigan. Has there been any talks with like the Notre Dame Michigan former rivalry? But you know, have you said anything to Prez about Michigan's lack of success this season, or is there any talk from you about that?
3: No, it's hard because a like we don't see him hardly at all, and b he is so checked out. On Michigan and Harbaugh, that you can't even hurt his feelings. So, you know, if, you <laughs> think if Michigan was good and noted and like they were like, oh, they're jo- they're squaring up the play in the playoff, like that would be that would be something, like that would be fun. But he knows that they stink, and I know that they stink, and it's like, how do you like? You can't even hurt his feelings. He, he genuinely does not care. So it's hard to, you know, it's hard to get after him too much for that because he's impervious to it. He's like, yeah, I know.
0: I think the same thing.
3: So like, he cuts your legs out.
0: So how did you get your start with Barstool? Cause I know, you know, you and most of the other Barstool Chicago guys had regular day jobs like everyone else. And you kind of did this on the side uh, until eventually, you know, Barstool Chicago became more than just a concept. You guys got your own office and have, you know, I would say pretty extensive coverage of all of the major teams. And then you cover Notre Dame as well. But how did you, uh, Get in with Barstool and and obviously, you know, it's been successful for you. How has it been since you started?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's I was a fan of the website and even the paper. So my um, my good friend from college my freshman year was a kid from uh, Chelmsford, Massachusetts. So he was very plugged into Barstool and he's like, you got to read this this website. And back then, Portnoy was still doing. You heard him say, like, oh, I have handed out too many papers, but he would hand out the papers And then he would take that and as like almost like a PDF and put it on the internet. So every two weeks the website would refresh and it was just whatever the newspaper was. Uh, It wasn't like an active blog. It was just the newspaper on the internet. So I would like every two weeks, I would read it and think it was funny and really good and uh, became like a like way, way back and then watched it grow. Uh, I think KFC and K Marco and Feidelberg and those guys kind of came on around 2009 2009, 2010. And it was announced that Barcelona was coming to Chicago in 2012. And I had been graduated and working, and one of my jobs was managing a, uh, a blog for this offshore gambling company. And I tried to model it a little bit after Barcelona because that's all I knew. And, um, and so when that was announced, I sent right uh, samples to uh, Portnoy and the guy who was going to run it at the time or start off running it, which was Neil. And Neil had a short tenure and I had a shorter tenure to start. I wrote the undefeated blog, thought I was going to be the Blackhawks guy. I wrote one blog. It was the undefeated blog. And then uh, because there was no hockey because of the lockout, I just wasn't writing anything. KFC sent me an email being like, hey, uh, we're trying to consolidate the voices on the site because neil is struggling we just want to have his voice and, and big cat was part-time at that time as well so he's like you're just kind of fired and he didn't say that but it was like you're out so i wrote one blog it was the undefeated blog they did go undefeated neil got fired so that happened in like september and or october and neil got fired in february or something like that and then i wrote dan uh ahead of the 2013 playoffs um being like hey like i was brought on to be the hockey guy i haven't written one single hockey blog i'd like to be given a chance here like you need somebody covering the hawks because they're about to win the stanley cup and he's like all right yeah like we'll give you a tryout, see how you do if people like you you can stay and that was april 2013 and i've stayed so i just it was very part-time like you said uh like did it for free uh for years I think in 2016, they started giving us like a little something, like not much. And then started the podcast and the kind of, you know, like the rest is kind of history. We went full time and our first, our first full time day was the winter classic uh, Blackhawks Bruins at Notre Dame Stadium, January 1, 2019. And, and yeah, so we're, we're going to be here, uh, you know, at least for like the next three years and, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been going pretty well. It's been a great experience. But yeah, that's how it started. It was just please can I write for free.
1: So how fun was it, um between the four of you just up and quitting your jobs to take this on full time?
3: It it was fun. It was scary though too. And you know, we just had uh our kind of our annual review talking to Nardini and and big cat. And I I'll admit that in 2019, I felt like I was, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was felt like I was drowning a little bit, like trying to find my, my niche and routine and how to, how to do this job. Well, I thought I I, like reflectively, like even in real time, I was like, this is not going well. That's what I was thinking in 2019, 2020, you know, we got the radio show, the dog walk thing started to You know, kind of take off a little bit. I found like what style of writing blogs outside of hockey worked for me. Uh, So I thought 2020 was a much better year. But yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting to be able to do that. Um, I was about to move uh, for for a different opportunity. Like I had a job offer to move to Oregon, and then Portnoy called and said, "Hey, like we want you guys to do do full time starting in January." So it was like, "Am I going to make this jump at you know 33 years old to?" have this weird career move and ultimately thought it like couldn't turn it down. And one of the best decisions I've ever made. So I, I'm ha- I'm thrilled to be where I am. But yeah, it, w- it was like very scary uh, to, to make that jump. So
2: as someone who's kind of made that pinnacle or someone who has made t- made it to the top of the pinnacle sports media world, what are some of your tips for people like us who, you know, we've only done this now for two seasons and you know, we're working our way up and same thing with Brandon and I at NIU as well. So what are, what are some tips here? You've been on the journey for 10 years now. What are your tips for uh young podcasters out there, young bloggers out there?
3: Um, well, number one, I don't think I'm at the pinnacle at all. I still feel like I'm at the bottom of the mountain trying to climb and come up with new ways. I just started a fucking TikTok, like I don't know, like I'm still I'm still trying to figure it out and, and learn stuff every day and try wiggle to, dicking on the talk, chief. I haven't done any true wiggle dicks yet, but I, I've I've done uh, three TikToks now, three TikTok videos. So I'm trying to just I don't feel like I'm at the top. I don't know what the top is. Like to me, like Big Cat and. Portnoy are the top like they're the top i look at somebody like riggs as a guy that i would look up to like he's created this niche like he's kind of entrepreneurial inside of barstool like he created this foreplay brand he created the golf tour you know the, the barstool classic golf tournament so he's he's a guy that i look up to that i would want to emulate i don't know exactly how to do that yet but i certainly don't feel like i'm at the top as far as um advice i think the best thing is always and it doesn't matter if it's barstool or or, or if it's media or anything else but just try to tell the truth as as best you can and if you get something wrong that's fine if you're you know if you're it's just you just want to be authentic and i think that's what sells you you know find your own voice like don't try to mimic somebody else's find your own thing and people will resonate with that like i think you know an example of that for me personally is like the burrata gang like i got roasted like incredibly for the you know, Barada pick on the snake draft. And now it's become like an internet, like big joke where it's like the chief has his guys. Like they're the Barada game. Cause so it's just something like, I like Barada. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to say what I like. And, and if it's unpopular, then so be it. But as long as you're, as long as you're telling the truth and, and being yourself, I think that people are suckers for the truth and they're suckers for authenticity. And that's what they want. They don't want somebody in a tie trying to be so or just trying to be something like, I'm not trying to be Portnoy. You know, like there's only one of him. I'm not trying to be big cap. There's only one of him. And so I think we get so many, you know, applications and emails where, you know, I I could be your bulls guy. And they just they write this paragraph and there's like four things. I'm like, that's a Portnoy bit. That's a Dan bit. That's a, you know, like just do your own thing. And that will be you'll be way more successful and, and happier with yourself if you're doing your own thing. But I'm completely
0: unqualified to give advice. I don't know anything. (laughs) <laughs> it's like uh it's like when Portnoy gives his uh stock advice. He's not he's not uh qualified to give that advice. But hey, we'll we'll yeah. take that from you. We actually had on the
3: early. Like, you know, like I there you know, I was talking to Eddie about this. Like I had a meeting with the Blackhawks with Nardini um in their locker room like a couple weeks ago. And it was like the owner of the Blackhawks and their other top three guys, their Danny Wirtz and their other top three guys. And it's like you walk out of that meeting, like there's a lot of guys like me who played hockey into college and and write and, you know, are active on social. like There's a lot of people exactly like me. So but I got in early and I, you know, work hard at it. And that has kind of allowed me to have this crazy avenue where it's like I'm the fan who gets to talk to Danny Wirtz and the GM and all that. But it's just it's like
0: timing and working
3: hard and telling the truth is just that's what it is.
0: As someone who's been to like Barstool at the park, some of the different events that you guys have throughout the years, um, obviously you weren't able to do many of those things this year. Do you guys have anything cooked up or anything you want to promote for 2021 or is it a little too far out?
3: Yeah, I think everybody's just trying to figure it out as we go uh, with COVID. I, I do think there's uh, there's been public statements now about you know nightlife, like Penn wanting nightlife. I think we will have a Chicago bar open. 2021 at some point uh Barcelona, chicago bar so uh that'll be something to look out for but we're not super in charge of that in terms of content you know i would say you know we still we work the four of us are still pretty dedicated to the blog and then obviously redline and dog walk are are our bread and butter and kind of what pays our salary so please drink miller light please get your car from napleton please you know go to five iron golf all that shit so um but yeah and then you know and the merch like that's all that's and it's cyber monday uh tomorrow so those those things are important to us and it means a lot to me like when people they can spend their money anywhere if they choose to spend it with us like i am greatly appreciative of that so uh thanks to everybody who who, who does that and supports
1: us that way are you guys on the uh the same pay uh, not pay or like um like merch wise as like barstool irish or like barstool clemson how does that work
3: I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, like the viceroy's?
1: Uh, like like the Twitter pages dedicated to the single wolves. Like, I just bought a uh, a Tiger King Notre Dame Clemson shirt off Barstool Irish. Is that like Barstool Chicago merch also? Are they separate? No, that,
3: that's there. So I I had um I had pitched a shirt to our merch department that was similar, and they're like, hey, like we can do that, but we already have this other one uh so i just was like oh yeah like that's fine like that i like the, the look of that shirt so i was like i'll prom-. like i don't get anything from that but uh if the barstool irish kit i don't know who runs it to be honest with you but i think they do historically have done a pretty good job so if they get a little bonus out of that then i'm i'm happy to support that i thought it was a good shirt so good for them. but yeah i don't really have anything to do with
0: them per se but yeah it's all the same company can we get a score prediction for the bears tonight Maybe a minute for Mitchy Mitch too. I know Carl. I mean, I, I do Bears on tap. So our company, like you said, you know, when when you start doing this, almost nobody gets paid to do it. So I actually I have three technical like smaller jobs. I do the Bears, NIU, and Notre Dame. Chris has. I know he does golf and a couple other things. And then Ethan, it's kind of like my content partner. He's my co-host almost with all the shows I do. But um, as far as you know the Bears go tonight. We got our work cut out for us. We got Mitch coming back, and it's something that the internet, like you said, it's a crazy place. Everyone wanted Mitch out. Now everyone wants Mitch back. Where are you at with tonight's Bears game? Um, I'm
3: trying to like hype myself up, but it's hard. Like I, I was I thought Mitch got a, a hook a little too. I was surprised when they went to Foles there. I thought that was like the shortest leash ever. And um, but I think I do think Foles is the better quarterback if they both have the same offensive, like, a, I don't know, a slightly below average offensive line instead of the worst offensive line in the league. So I don't think it's really going to matter. Uh, we'll see. Mitch says he's healthy. I, Mitch seems like, I don't know him. I've never met him. I've never talked to him. He seems like such a good kid though, that I want good things for him. Like I hope he's successful. I don't think he will be, but I hope he is. So I'm going to be hopeful for tonight, but uh, yeah, it's not like I'm, I'm not putting a big wager on it. It's, that answers your question.
0: Fair enough. We'll start wrapping it up here too. We won't keep you too long. What are your, what's your final outlook, I guess you would say for Notre Dame here looking up, you know, they have two games left with Syracuse, Wake Forest, the imminent rematch with Clemson and then the college football playoff to follow. How do you think we finish and maybe a prediction without you giving away too much, you know, future block to what you're going to say on, on red line?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about that, about giving away what I think, because I'm sure I'll change my mind or say it differently. It doesn't matter to me. But um, I I think they'll win out in the regular season, though, like they won't be threatened or challenged by Syracuse or Wake. Uh, Those will be kind of sleepwalk game. Just stay healthy. Don't, you know, do the targeting. So you're suspended for the next game or anything like that. And they'll be fine. And then the, the, the Clemson game, which, you know, neutral site, which I guess every game in a, in a sense is a neutral site vibe with no fans. But that'll be tough. You know, the last game was essentially a coin flip. Trevor Lawrence coming back. I think it's a coin flip again. I think it'll be a tight game. So I think win or lose, they probably end up still end up in the top four. So I think they're going to the playoff regardless, as long as they they would have to be like absolutely blown out by Clemson. And I just don't think that's possible. I think this team's too good. I don't think Clemson's quite what they were uh, like a year or so ago or two years ago. I think they're, you know, they're in a transition year of sorts with uh, replacing all the guys they, they lost uh, to the NFL. So I think that they'll, they'll either be the two seed in the playoff or the four seed in the playoff. I do think that they can beat Alabama. I do think that they can beat Ohio state, but, Those are the clear to me top four teams is Notre Dame, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state gun to my head right now. I feel good about Notre Dame. I think, I think that they can, I think it's a coin flip for the national championship. I really do. I don't think Alabama is that much better. If any, if, if better at all, Jalen Waddle being out certainly is a good thing for Notre Dame. And as long as Notre Dame is healthy, I think they can, they can compete and beat anybody. So I'm excited. I think that I want to see them. They'll probably, if they win out, they'll be the two seed they have Notre Dame, the Rose bowl. That would be sweet because uh, that's where that, that site would be. And then, yeah, we'll see, see what happens. So give me Notre Dame, Ohio state, the Rose bowl would be spectacular.
2: Yeah. I just, on the topic of wrapping up here, I wanted to thank you for taking such, I mean, you've worked, we've had you on for an hour now and from Notre Dame talk, to barstool talk, you know, we're even bears talk here. I know the bears obviously kind of a, eh, you know, that kind of mood, but, you know, to be uh, to be nine and zero, and looking forward to a college football playoff, and to get you on, I mean, I just want to thank you for coming on. Appreciate your time and love talking Notre Dame football to anybody that loves to come on and talk with
3: us. So, yeah, thanks for having me, boys. It was fun. The uh, hour and seven went by pretty quickly. So that might be me a little bit long winded, but uh, but yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Hey, somebody's got a case of that. Somebody's gotta Ooh. keep us quiet. We talk too much, especially doing two episodes a week. But we'll turn it around to you. Do you have any questions for us uh, before we let you go? Taking our trick. Yes, of- sir. So we just
3: flip it around on you. Um I don't know. You Pete, guys, you Pete got- Samson
0: hit us. Pete Samson hit us with uh where did you you know, how did you guys start? Um I don't know. We've had it with we've done it with a couple head coaches, a couple we had the offensive coordinator for our NIU podcast and usually it's, it's something, uh, something simple, but if you don't have anything, I mean, it's fair. We, I'll I'll say this is, uh, do you guys think,
3: is it more likely that Ian Book is back next year as the starter for Notre Dame or Nick Foles is back as the starter for the Bears?
2: Oh, see, this is tough for me because I've been a big Mitch guy. Like I've always been a Mitch guy, but I've always been, always been Ian Book. Like I kind of Did my whole 300 for three trademark, like 300 yards, three touchdowns each game. And like, I would much rather like have Ian Book back with the Bears or Ian Book back with Notre Dame next season, just because like Ian Book, he's developed with this team and like Nick Foles has only been here for one full season. Now he's hurt. I also think like in terms of the Bears offense, Mitch just has more mobility with Nick than Nick Foles. And I feel like that's going to help the Bears out tonight too, is Mitch being able to get out of that pocket. Because like, you're, you're right. We have the worst offensive uh, line in the league, so going to need some of us mobile that There's two Notre Dame
0: guys on there, too. Mustapher and Bars, you know, have played substantial snaps, but before, you know, you ask us this, I should preface, Ethan does have four Mitch jerseys hanging in his closet. He has, like, every color scheme for the guy. <laughs> Wait,
1: you seriously have four?
2: Uh, I have three. I was looking for the fourth, the white one, but I couldn't get hold of that one. I'm a little broke, but. <laughs> no, three jerseys.
0: Aaron you <laughs> one from it's, that bet. Aaron you one from tough. that
2: bet. It's tough, man. Look, I'm not one to burn jerseys. I hope I, I. hate people that burn jerseys. Like, I don't know how you feel about that, Chief. But, yeah, burning jerseys, like, I don't get that shit. Never I, have, never will.
3: Like I've never felt – I'm not a jersey guy to start with. So okay, okay. I don't really – if I wanted to burn one, I would have to go out and buy it for the express <laughs> – burning it so it's not it's not a move that i would do but i would love to feel that much passion i don't feel that much passion about anything so if some if i hated somebody so much or felt betrayed by somebody so much that i was like i'm you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna like their fucking jersey on fire that, <laughs> that would feel i don't know i have a hard time hating on that too so I'm just not a at Jersey. the end of the day. It's a football game. Like we're sit we
2: go back to work the next day, regardless. Like I don't care that much. Like
0: come on. You know, I, my biggest thing with college too is at the end of the day, it's it's 18 to 22 year old athletes, unless you're a punter on Miami and you're 29. That's about it. Yeah. So you came from Australia after your yeah. career. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you so. guys uh? Do you guys have any locks for tonight? For for the remainder of uh, Sunday football.
3: I got nothing. I didn't even
0: look at the schedule because I'm I'm locked in on the Bears. Waiting all day for a Sunday night. Let's go. Bears are winning Bears are winning tonight. I've, I've convinced myself uh, since last week. So oh. I made a bet with one of our fellow content creators, Summer George. He's a Vikings fan. And it wasn't a money bet. It was a hot dog bet. I had to eat two hot dogs for every category that we lost and put them all on the timeline. Ended up eating eight hot dogs in total. Cordero Patterson saved me from the last two. So – yeah, our Bears have been very painful this last month, 0-4 the last four games. Got to find a way to win a football game tonight. But, Chief, on behalf of ONTAP Sports and on behalf of Irish Tap, we do really do appreciate you taking the hour out of your day here on NFL Sunday to hang with us, talk pretty much just about anything. You know, Barstool, talk about NB, the Blackhawks, the Bears. Where can we find you at and where can we find your work at on the Internet? Yeah, uh, Barstool
3: Sports, I uh, have a blogger page there. Obviously under Chief, it's alphabetical. You can scroll for the most part, I think it's alphabetical. I don't know. Chief on the on Barcel Sports, Barcel Chief on Twitter, Barcel Chief on Instagram. We have Redline Radio, we have Chicago Dog Walk. Uh, radio on Sirius every day two to three. So you know, the internet. We're TikTok. On, I'm on TikTok, same thing, Barcel Chief. So I've got three whole videos, maybe like 1,700 views, not to brag, and uh, and uh, so yeah, that's that's about it. Those are the places. So boys, thanks thanks so much for having. Me.
0: Absolutely, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Real quick, couple show notes. We'll be back. Um, we're gonna drop this after. Obviously, you're hearing this after the North Carolina recap. We'll be back to preview the Syracuse game for you guys next week and a post game as well. Brian will be picking up the basketball coverage, and our guy Austin will be picking up the hockey coverage. This was Irish On Tap, brought to you by the On Tap net and presented to you by Manscaped. Make sure to check out all of their awesome products. Use promo code ONTAP and you'll receive 20% off and free shipping on your order. But thank you for listening, and go Irish!